Hello and welcome to Schneider Electric's podcast for everyday extraordinary healthcare. Facility managers in healthcare face daunting tasks. They need to keep operations running smoothly to provide continuity of care for their patients while also adapting to the changing environment. They also need to think about maintaining the safety of their own staff. The challenge is to continuously adapt to new obstacles, change in business priorities, reduced facility staff and lower operating budgets. Today, we're going to talk about health systems increasing remote service capabilities that can help control costs, maintain operations when resources are lower, and take advantage of digitized technologies around their power and building management systems. We'll begin today with Judith Sands. Judith is a clinical health IT professional, an author, and a facilitator of our 25-member forum of healthcare professionals. Welcome, Judith. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to have facilitated this knowledge stream. Fantastic. Well, welcome back to the show. So, Judith, the forum has also been discussing uh, how we're reevaluating continuity strategy in this COVID world. Is that right? Absolutely. Our panelists remain so concerned about the viability of their organizations. They anticipate additional investments being made and exploring which of the temporary solutions that they've had to implement are going to become permanent. And how will that impact future purchases and operational uh, procedural changes within their organizations? They're also exploring building automation and looking at more uh, remote connectivity. We've obviously seen a, a lot of temporary types of structures and kind of military tents have been deployed in a lot of different countries. But what other continuity strategies are you hearing from the healthcare industry? Well, the panelists shared that they remain very concerned about viability and they've seen some decreased revenue as well as increased costs associated with COVID. The impact of uh, social distancing and the need to repurpose space. Some of the organizations are exploring comprehensive digitalization plans. And of course, you know, there's been a tremendous increase in the use of telemedicine strategies. They're looking at backup locations, the use of Zoom and Skype, and several of the entities have shared the need for additional electrical outlets, Wi-Fi, and connectivity to emergency power supply which previously they had not anticipated. What about things like remote-based maintenance? I know it's been heavily adopted in our day-to-day workforce. So how has that been perceived in healthcare? Is there a fear or excitement around that? There was definitely excitement. While there are some cost concerns and concerns with implementation, especially as it relates to older buildings, but there's a focus on updating networks and the healthcare devices as well as the infrastructure systems such as HVAC, boilers, and the IT network as a whole. So that brings up a lot of kind of concerns and benefits that the panel perceive with having remote operations. Was there much of an opinion based on that about going remote? Definitely. Quite a few of the panel members expressed the value of remote connectivity, especially in the world of COVID and really need to consider who is being put at risk, whether it's the patient, the employees, the contractors, but they wanted to consider every possible opportunity to minimize risk. So what's the perceived value in having remote operations? 
While currently many organizations have limited access to devices remotely. You know, when we say that having the capability to monitor their electrical network and external data network would help organizations troubleshoot problems and make much more appropriate operational decisions that could potentially reduce the number of service calls and the need for um, individuals to be on site. Uh, remote connectivity means that they could potentially even be addressed much quicker than having to wait for that repairman or repairwoman to come on site. Yeah, and that, that enables response time in terms of when they can correct some of these issues that they see in their facility. So Judith, that's fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. So as we've heard, hospitals are shifting from on-site maintenance to more remote-based maintenance where possible. So thankfully, we have Paul Whittingham, who's going to join us today. And Paul's the Global Business Development Director for Digital Services with Schneider Electric. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, it should be an interesting one, especially with how things have changed this year. And particularly with remote-based maintenance, you know, what have you seen in the market this year, especially around the, the healthcare sector? I think it's a really interesting question, Chris, because I I would say there are two distinct camps of our customers, our end users in terms of remote services. I think what we've seen in the market this year is those who are already invested in the digital services, the remote connectivity, the critical alarm monitoring. They're really seeing the impacts and the value around having those services, particularly now when you think of employee welfare actually putting people on site to work, they can now have more insight remotely. They can execute work remotely and really understand the criticality of their systems and their assets and how they're performing. And I think those who haven't already invested in that technology, they're starting to see the value of that. And I would say for us as Schneider Electric, it started to accelerate what is our digital transformation and our strategy around services as well. So I think there are two clear camps in terms of our end users. Those who have already invested, they're now seeing more and more value. And for those who haven't, it's becoming a key part to their strategic plans moving forward around maintenance and understanding the criticality of the systems and assets. Mm, that's interesting because, I mean, particularly our own work has been very much remote uh, this year. So with likes of healthcare facilities, were you finding that they were doing that already? Or is, is that something which has really been adopted this year? Well, again, I think it's a great question because when you look at the approach, particularly of like building management systems or even the switch gear, we can get a lot of insight to the criticalities and how those systems are operating. So I would say customers have used our services and our digital offers to really gain more insight, more expertise around how they're operating. And in certain cases, we become the operator. We can do remote changes. We're doing critical alarm monitoring 24-7. So I think what they've done is actually leverage that. And we've seen an uptake in more and more of those remote service elements because we have the visibility, we have the connection, and we have the expertise. Other customers who have their own in-house services have leveraged our technology to enable their own teams to work remotely as well. So absolutely, there's a huge acceleration in the remote working element. 
Yeah, that's really interesting because it, it's not just about having remote capabilities to that facility, but it's actually about augmenting some you know capabilities that we can provide in terms of services. So you, you touched on that a little bit. So what types of services you know, do Schneider Electric provide to the customers? So I think I think it's part of the customer journey. So so I think the key part, and we see this across all segments, but importantly on healthcare, is that remote capability element for starters. So having experts remotely connecting, understand the issues, see the problems that are happening, but then building on that foundation of connectivity and starting to look at critical monitoring. So whether that's critical assets such as HVAC whether that's security elements, whether that's switchgear elements. So really understanding when critical events occur, we can be the eyes and ears, we can provide monitoring and escalation and even be proactive by setting up uh, proactive alarms to then moving into more of the condition-based elements. So when we're getting data streams for the assets and the systems, we're analyzing that using fault detection and diagnostic software and then presenting information that can really allow our customers to be targeted on key actions that need to take place on site. Especially in the current context with employee welfare, we only really want people on site in what is very critical conditions where they need to be there making changes or improvements to those assets and systems. So I think to summarize, Chris, it's a journey. We go from the basics of remote connectivity, remote working, to then monitoring fault detection and ultimately being more operationally efficient in how we deploy highly skilled expertise using diagnostics. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I remember when I was back in the UK, when we did a lot of the healthcare facilities, we would connect a subset of alarms that would go back to the bureau and they would just be the the critical alarms. But for what you're saying is it's more than just remote alarm monitoring. It is actually helping them plan their maintenance activities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that becomes more important with the facilities teams actually embedding that process within their workflows and actually highlighting that doing a standard check across an asset list across a year isn't probably the best use of an engineer's time. And from an operational standpoint, isn't targeting potential issues that will occur. So by providing digital services, providing insight using automated fault detection, we can deploy our resources or customers' resources on issues that really could impact operational needs. So whether that's temperature in operating theatres, whether that's critical power supplies, or whether it's the energy centres, you've now got very detailed insights and we can be very proactive in the way you maintain those operations. Mm, it's really interesting. And, and you mentioned earlier that some facilities already had this type of connectivity. And for those that are adopting it, has it been a real uptake this year or has there been any concerns with them trying to get connected? Things like cybersecurity, what's been the, the blockers for them to do it before this year? I think I think you have to look at it geographically because obviously the healthcare institutes are set up very differently, whether they're public funded, whether they're privately funded, the networks that they reside on. But I think the whole acceleration has been around the fact people have to work remotely. So investments in IT, investments in infrastructure and connectivity have been made. But then also demonstrating how we do that reliably and securely based on our existing customer base is, is a key adoption criteria as well. And I think the other element to also consider is some of our fault detection and diagnostic, our digital offers, are not just for Schneider Electric Systems. So this is where we start to bring huge value to our customers that maybe have switchgear, but not a Schneider BMS or vice versa. We can start to provide a holistic view 
even if they haven't invested in Schneider Electric products previously. And I think that's a huge opportunity to our customer base to really understand their operations. Yeah, that's key. I mean, a lot of customers don't want to get tied into one type of vendor. So having that agnostic layer, as you mentioned, it's really important for them. Yeah, and and then I think with with our segment teams and and you know from your from your your own role, Chris, I think the key element then is not only just providing the data, but making that relevant to the healthcare segment. So what keeps the main guys up at, at night in terms of what's the pain points for the finance guys, the facilities guys, for the surgeons, for the outpatients? Because everybody's got different needs. Everything is critical in their own domain that they operate. And I think that's a key value that you guys provide from a segment point of view is actually applying that data and information to a day in the life in a healthcare facility. That That's really important, I see, for, in adoption and making sure we're providing services that are applicable to the healthcare segment. Yeah, definitely. And especially when you think of healthcare, because of the critical nature of that building, it needs to be resilient. And once the maintenance staff sometimes could be seen as the unsung heroes, they still need to go in and make sure that facility is working. So having that remote connectivity, it's, it's important to keep them safe as well. Absolutely, Chris. And I think the other element to consider is also there's different drivers globally. I think you guys see this more than more than anybody. But if I look in the UK, it's typically balancing the balance sheet in terms of how much budget that they have to carry out critical maintenance. Whereas in other geographies, it, it's more around the way they're funded from a private element. So it's about the best customer experience, the temperatures, the welfare, etc. All of which leads to patient recovery, patient safety, but it's just how you allocate those budgets and release those budgets to make the investment in technology. It's very interesting when you look globally at those different markets. Yeah, it is. It is when you see that. I mean, over here in the US where I'm based now, it's very much driven by patient satisfaction. But once you're back in Europe, back in the UK, it was it was a lot more driven around productivity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So a key part, which you've probably heard myself, Chris, talk about for many, many years is the technology is the enabler. It's a key part, but it is physically an enabler. And unless we, as an OEM, providing these solutions, we have it adopted within our workforce. And more importantly, the customer has it adopted within their workforce as a culture and how they operate then essentially the value starts to diminish. So the technology enables people to work more efficiently, more proactively, considering the criticality of the facilities, but people make the difference. Uh, And I think that's a key part is we're not looking to replace people. What we're actually doing is making best use of the highly skilled resource on site. That's a key value of digital offers. Yeah, that's that's a really key point. I like that. The technology is the the enabler for that workforce. It's not not replacing them. And can you just touch on a little bit, because we've had this discussion before, but, you know, when we think of the fault detection systems we have, et cetera, it's not just about technology, but it's about also augmenting that with services and helping facilities. Can you just touch on that a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. So for those who aren't familiar with with the Schneider Electric Services, we're under a huge digital transformation. And and as Chris highlighted, it's around us embedding digital technology within the way we maintain and operate our customers' facilities. So again, the technology enables us to be more proactive, more insightful. It could be highlighting recommendations around how to optimize the building from a sustainability element or highlighting critical issues that may occur and really affect the operation of the facilities in healthcare. So it's not just about presenting data, looking at dashboards. It's actually about the culture of our organization and our FSRs in the field using that data to drive value, insights, 
and ultimately recommendations because customers want an ROI. And the ROI can be very different. It could be an energy spend. It could be patient experience, to your point, Chris, in the US, or it could be a way of operationally maintaining the budget for the maintenance regime. So it's about embedding those technology into our service and the way we carry out services today. Fantastic. I, I really like that point. It's a, technology is really the enabler that allows us to, to do all this and be be more efficient and more resilient in how these healthcare facilities really operate. So, Paul, I uh, really appreciate your time. It's always good to talk to you. So thanks for joining the podcast. No problem, Chris. It's always always good to connect and catch up and uh, appreciate for those who have been listening and any questions. There's a highly skilled team globally from the healthcare segment and digital services that are here to support you. Excellent. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. And now for the country spotlight, and today we're going to be focusing on the Nordic region. We're very pleased to have Irina join us today. Irina is the healthcare segment manager for the Nordic zone, and Irina also has a wealth of knowledge in healthcare from her former roles as director of operations for North Adelaide Hospital Network. So Irina, thank you for joining today. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. Uh, very pleased to be able to contribute to this session. Fantastic. And we've obviously this year has been very different to every other year we've been working in. So what's been happening in the Nordic regions? Has there been any major trends that you've started to see coming out of the pandemic? Well, actually, we have seen two major patterns. I wouldn't call them trends because trends do actually need to have a longer period of time to form. But I've seen two things. One is a clear rethinking the best ways to deal with the surge of capacity and build the capabilities to enable the organizations to respond more proactively to extraordinary events. The other pattern that I've observed was that as a result, we see an increased acceleration of digital. And with digital, we see more requests for remote services and remote operation. Now, these patterns or trends, as you might call them, come to us in brainstorming session, in workshops, in general discussions with our customers. But it is fairly clear that the plans moving forward are focusing primarily on digital and remote operations. And this is to cater for the significant increase in demand, but also to compensate for the latency from site-based operations. And obviously, you know, the Nordic regions is quite an innovative region. Is is digital something which is was being slowly adopted? And has this kind of accelerated the need to have that digitalization? Well, I think what we see is an accelerated implementation of value-based strategies, which the hospitals in the Nordics and the uh, strategists in the Nordics have had in the plans for many months so far. But as it is with healthcare in general, a type of crisis like we had in the past few months has enabled them to move a little bit faster. So this strategic planning towards digitally transforming the tra- uh, facility infrastructure has been accelerated by the urgency to adapt and transform not only the technology that they use, but also the processes and the people and the capabilities they build in their operational de- delivery. The second angle to bring forward in this would be that we see an accelerated procurement of infrastructure investment. So 
infrastructure investments that were perhaps planned for the years to come. And they might have incorporating some of these digital and value-based strategies have come forward in uh, this year budget or uh, immediate budget. And that is following the aim to improve the robustness of technical infrastructure that has been exposed a little bit more than usual by the overcapacity and the capabilities to maintain the environment of care to the highest standard. So you, you mentioned the capacity and the kind of surge and how the regions handled that. Obviously, Sweden took a, a different approach to some some of the other countries, particularly in the US, UK, etc. And you mentioned remote operations. So with that approach that Sweden took, were the facility teams, were they still on site or were they looking to have more kind of remote connectivity to manage that infrastructure? Look, I think it depends. Different countries, as you mentioned, but even in the Nordic zone, they have taken a different approach. Remote operation is something that they knew they will need, not only from the fact that they had to deal with a health crisis and accessibility of site will be limited, but also because of the lack of people, right? There is increased uh, complexity in the technical infrastructure. The needs of different skills and capabilities are there. So irrespective of whether they had to deal with a crisis and a surge in capacity, they would have taken this uh, approach at some point in time. Now, it just so happened that this event, this healthcare crisis, has made it easier to make that decision moving forward. It's a combination. In Sweden in particular, we did have access to to these facilities and we could help them on site. However, they somewhat understood that the help will be limited by people availability, not only their own maintenance support, but also the vendors and the suppliers that help them with this service delivery. So I would say it's a combination of both. And even though we perceive that Sweden took a different approach, I think that interpretation is somewhat irrelevant in the in the aspects of facility management. It would have come in any way. So it was heading down that route and this was just the, the enablement or, or the kickstart that it really needed to, to kind of take that initiative forward. It is very clear that the plans are moving forward very quickly and are focusing primarily on digital and remote operations. It's very clear for us and it's very clear for the healthcare organization or the facility teams within the healthcare organization. And that is, as I've mentioned, to cater for significant increase in demand for service and also compensate for the latencies of uh, this site-based operation. And obviously, Irina, you've been on, I'd say, the other side of the fence here when you were working in Australia. You were responsible for the contingency plans and, and putting in these risk strategies. Has there been a similarity between when you were involved in, I think it was the swine flu we were talking about um, last time we spoke and, and what you've seen this year? Yeah, I think we're talking about quite a few years back, 12, almost 15 years when we're dealing with that. And I would expect that those kind of robust planning will uh, set into place in the Nordics organization. It has actually started right now. Now, I haven't seen that being in place. I haven't seen that perhaps it was all that solid to be able to be rolled out immediately as a response. However, I think that everything that we have learned 
in the Nordics about our capacity, about our capabilities, about the way we work with infrastructure and facilities and the resilience and robustness we have in, in the, the hospitals. All of these lessons that we have learned now will come in form of action plan and clearly the basis for uh, this accelerating adoption or accelerated move towards digital. And I'm sure you would have loved to have had um, all the digital technologies available when you were encountering that about 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah we did too. Uh, as I said, we took the planning uh, a little bit more ahead of the uh, pandemic, and that helped us when we had to enact this plan. This time around, I think it was little to no notice for anybody. So I, I would say we are in the same situation here, whereby we've learned very fast how we should do things differently and how we should prepare the infrastructure and the upgrade such that next time around or in the situation moving forward, we will be able to cope with it and we will at the same time improve the robustness of technical infrastructure and the resilience of the systems that we operate. So these kind of strategies that underpin digital transformation in facility infrastructure in hospitals in the Nordic is sometimes coming from technical gaps requiring shift actions, but it's also created by the need to build upon the capabilities and capacity of the organization to respond more proactively, right? Therefore, the increased digitization or modernization of healthcare infrastructure is able to make the facilities team and the infrastructure that they operate resilient and productive in the long term, in normal or in a crisis mode. So I think lessons that we learn under this kind of stressful situation are helping us improve and helping our customer improve the way they operate their facilities in the long term. And we also see the uh, progress that uh, they make in their own digital maturity. We're talking about simple tactics that we have deployed uh, and we have discussed three, four years ago with uh, the same group of people. And we see them growing into their understanding of digital and understanding of capabilities within digital. So I would say that the evolution is quite significant in digital maturity of facility team, which might have been very slow, at least a slower process otherwise. Yeah, I think I think we've all been forced into into using more technology and, and digitizing our, our day-to-day activities. Um, you know, especially you know doing this podcast remote as well. So we've all took on these new digital technologies and it's it's good to see that it's it's moving in supporting the region as they plan for the for the next potential serve and how they operate their facilities. Irina, it's always wonderful to speak to you. So thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be part of your program as always. Thanks for listening to this episode um, of Schneider Electric's podcast for Everyday Extraordinary Healthcare. Join us in the next coming weeks as we'll explore some additional aspects of driving resiliency in healthcare.